The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this episode of the DI Guys podcast. I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Mike Coggle. Mike, how did the snow shoveling go? Two hours, just like I said. I got two-thirds of it done. But, Chris, I will tell you, it's, it's, it's a blue sky day here, and we got the most snow in one fall that we've had in almost six years. The predicted three turned into 12, and if anybody's – a Rocky Mountain person with hot spots still still existing in February in some of these fires from last year. It was a really good thing. So, you know what? If all I had to do was shovel it, that's good enough. As we said, good exercise for you, right? Absolutely. Even though at 60, you're not supposed to really be doing that, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I think, fairly healthy. <laughs> no question. Hey, Mike, on today's episode, what I want to do is I just kind of want to review 2021 DI Days. Uh, the symposium that was sponsored by the Plus Group and that you and I had the honor to be co-MCs uh, for. And just want to review what we learned and get your thoughts from that, if that's okay with you. Oh, absolutely, Chris. Um, first, hats off to the Plus Group for sponsoring and, and, and facilitating the you – know, there's nothing else in our industry. I guess I should just step back. There's really nothing else in, our, in the industry of income protection or disability insurance that is doing anything like this. So, you know, my hat's off to them because it's still a, a, a super viable product. And what we've talked about often on our podcast is, you know, we're not going to rest until everybody has it. So we need some help and we have a long way to go. <laughs> so Mike, uh, DI Days was nine presentations over three days. And I want to break it down. Day one, we kicked off the entire session with a keynote speaker, Mr. Joe Jordan, who to me is just an unbelievably talented individual. Not only talented, but very, very concise in, in, in his presentation. Obviously, it could go a lot longer than 35 or 40 minutes. And the, the, if you were taking notes, the information that, that he, that he spewed, for lack of a better term, was awesome. I, I walked away with, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years and walked away with two or three, what I call sales concepts or ideas or just easy conversation starters. Again, to get people to sell income protection, I would like a side note, Chris, that I think having the keynote speaker, and I want to know what your thoughts are, having a keynote speaker first is is the way to go, not last. I'm I, beginning to think, you know, saving the best for last is probably not the way to do this. I think that we got more out of having a keynote speaker as the very first presenter. What do you think? 100% agree, Mike. And especially in a Zoom environment, we, we've talked about the term Zoom fatigue. So if we had waited to the end on day three, I just think people would have been, many people have been fatigued, but people are really excited. You know, Mike, I, I really believe that if, no disrespect to any of the other presenters, but man, when you get a chance to hear somebody like Joe Jordan who goes around the globe giving presentations, you got to take advantage of that. So I feel bad for those individuals who A, didn't sign up for the DI days at all, and then B, didn't show up for Joe Jordan because... I mean, he's just, again, I can't, I can't say it enough uh, how, how great a speaker he is. Well, and what I think, Chris, is he helped the rest of us, as I call average speakers. I'm not a paid professional speaker and neither was anybody else. But you and I get to see, right, people that 
are on and then stay on. And we really didn't lose people that whole first morning at all and said, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. So in that regard, it was wildly successful. No question. Then, Mike, right after Joe Jordan, you led a panel of a couple of young producers entitled Why DI Should Be a Bigger Part of Your Practice. And let me make a comment before I let you talk about that particular panel. One of the many reasons why I like this panel is, is that it was what I call real world producers. It wasn't these multi-hundred thousand dollar DI producers pontificating what they've done because they've been so successful for many years. These were young people that you've worked with and you've taken them, you know, what I call from zero to hero. So it was very, very important for all the, all the uh, people who watched the, the presentation to get a feel what both Jason and Dyron were doing. Chris, thanks for saying that. But what I think is interesting is, you know, every producer that you and I've had on in previous podcast summits that, you know, is a, we'll call it a $400,000 or $500,000 plus producer. Chris, we both know they had to start from zero, right? So getting young people first enthusiastic about doing this and secondly, knowing that they can be that person in, in a few years, they know, and I learned this a long, long time ago that you got to start somewhere and there's no secret sauce. It's work. It's getting comfortable with, with the product, which, you know, is, is key. You've got to, you, you've got to be able to answer the questions. But then secondly is, is if you continue to call on people, continue to prospect, continue to ask referrals, have your way of saying it to your clients. Again, you and I, I use analogies for sports a lot. It's like, it's like basketball. You know, if you don't practice shooting free throws, then, you know, you'll shoot free throws like Shaq your whole career. You don't want to do that. You just don't want to do that. And then, Mike, what I really liked about, you know, both these individuals is they had different practices, i.e. Jason, who's really a risk protection specialist, and Dyron is a full-blown comprehensive financial planner. Exactly. And that's pretty much the scope of our industry right there. I mean, if you break it down into just two people, one guy is specifically focusing on income protection and disability insurance and wants to do that almost exclusively. He'll do some life insurance, obviously, uh, because it's part of the whole risk protection package idea. But then Dyron does everything. He just doesn't leave this off the table. And he laughed afterwards. I talked to him briefly and it's like, you know, you can't be a financial planner if you're not doing risk first. And I thought that, you know, that statement alone meant an awful lot to me. You know, he said, you know, there are an awful lot of people that are, they, what they do is they accumulate assets under management. That's not exactly the same as full financial planning because you can't, here's what he said, Mike, I can't, I think you heard this. I can't say that I'm a financial planner and not do risk protection. Spot on. And then, Mike, our third presenter of day one was Tom Peterson's uh, Peterson International Underwriters, and he talked about Lloyd's of London, a look behind the curtain. And, and I think that's not only interesting, but to know where it started from, you know, Lloyd's of London. We're talking about a coffee shop, right? I mean, I did listen. And, and how if you think about the humble beginnings of insurance and where it is today. I think it's a phenomenal story. And I think Tom did a really good job of walking us through that history and making it entertaining and fun to just get a look behind the curtain and see what it's like. I mean, I walked away going syndicates. I keep forgetting that that's what they are, Chris. So I actually learned a lot there as well that you know you could have a different syndicate that treats a different risk entirely different, even though they both wear the Lloyd's banner, correct? Exactly. And then in addition to that, I mean, he also you know, told everybody, you know, what, what are the solutions that Lloyd's provides in the DI world for the people in this country? So not only was it an informative uh, history lesson about Lloyd's, but also, hey, today, here's what you can offer 
prospects of clients. And it's really good to know that it's just not entertainers and athletes, which has always been for a lot of people, the perception of Lloyd's of London, it's entertainers, athletes, and then stops there. That couldn't be further from the truth. And I think Tom did a great job of explaining that as well. And he also did a phenomenal job of telling people, you know, the domestic carriers, that's not, we're not in competition with anybody. We, we work in an entirely different space. And Tom is one of those gentlemen that's always said, you know what, make sure that, you know, your house is full, take care of, you know, have your IDI first, make sure that you've got, you know, one of the carriers that remains that's domestic. And then, you know what, we've got plenty of room to work for you if you still have needs or work with you if you still have needs. Well, Mike, day two kicked off with a couple of panels that I was honored to be able to lead. The first panel was entitled Unique Ways to Position DI Products. And the panelists were Brian Lee of Truluma, Robert Clark of Plus Group Texas, and Matt Schmidt of DI LTC. Three younger people in this business who just really gave some great ideas and, and some very Deep philosophical observations, I thought, from these guys. I, I thought the same thing. Brian obviously said he's not young, but anybody younger than us, Chris, is young, correct? I would agree with that. So, so you know, Brian, hats off. You are still younger than we are, so you're a young guy. But, yeah, they were. it was very insightful on how they are speaking to clients, how they talk. And what I found interesting is it hasn't changed all that much for those that really believe, whether it's. You know, you heard Robert say, I do this a lot. You know, you have a, you have a health insurance policy. And what we want to do is make sure that we have a health insurance plan. I think you and I learned that way back in the mid eighties, correct? Absolutely. So it hasn't changed. It's just the way you frame it and the way you say it becomes very important because we want it to make sense to the, to the consumer, the person. And you and I have said this over and over. The person that we're talking to doesn't always speak insurance. Just like we've laughed for a hundred times, you know, you and I could still speak army. And if we did that today on a podcast, a lot of our jokes, a lot of our comments, they would be lost in translation, even though it is the English language. It's different words. It's different vernacular. It's different everything. So they did a great job. Both all, all three. Very good job. Yeah, I thought another point that resonated with me with these guys is they talked about they view themselves as educators as opposed to salespeople. Well, I heard the word coach more than once. And I agree. Coach, educator, teacher. Teachers are salespeople, right? I mean, in our world. Sure. You know, if, if you sell my kids, and you've heard me say this, if you sell my kids on the important of math facts, you know, your multiplication tables without thought, then you're a salesperson because <laughs> you're teaching and you're not only teaching, but you're, you're selling the value of knowing your math facts really, really, really well. So I think in, in this world, I learned this from a gentleman that was the CEO of Principal a long time ago. Awesome man, Larry Zimpleman. He said, you know, the funny thing about insurance and insurance companies is not one thing happens until something is sold. Uh, that's, a, that's a great reminder. Well, Mike, the, the second session was a panel entitled The Future of DI Underwriting. And we had Jeff Kruger from Principal and Steve oh. Woods from Genry. And as I said during the panel, these guys are two of the most forward-thinking people in our industry. So what were your thoughts about that particular panel? Well, the, the two of them together bring a wealth of knowledge that's, that's, that's unrivaled in the industry. They've been around. They have experience. Steve's had multiple jobs in the underwriting field for year, over the years, and so has Jeff. Jeff actually spent many years in the field, so he knows what it's like for a retail producer selling to a client, whether it's a big life policy, a multi-life DI or anything. 
And then the fact that he's also technical on the world of, you know, individual disability and all of, and the scope of those products, which are the business products and sees a different way of doing it in the future. I thought was very insightful. Not that it's going to happen tomorrow, but I think everybody is on the same sheet of music when it's, you know, at some level, this needs to change a little bit going forward. Doesn't mean disband, blow up and start over. We don't need to do that. But I thought they really did a great job of saying where we are today is good, but where we're going is going to be better in the future. Mike, I would agree. And one of the things I found very interesting when we started into the discussion about using artificial intelligence in the underwriting process, the comments that they made regarding the, for the future is if we you if we go to AI underwriting where we're having instant issues, but basically the decisions are happening, you know, once the person presses the button, you know, it might not, well, it's not, might not, it will not be the non-can ONOC, you know, H67 Cola cat rider type of a situation, $20,000 a month. It'll, it'll be what I would call more of a stripped down product. And it was interesting that both Jeff and Steve said that that world is that the carriers are more comfortable with the two and five year benefit periods with AI, AI underwriting as opposed to that age 67, which certainly makes sense since the carrier is not getting, you know, they're not getting financial documentations. They're not getting exams, things like that. And I think that's the direction we'll go. You know, people have tried the, the 10 year before Chris, but the problem is it was still this, it was still a completely loaded product. And then so they couldn't find a big difference between an age 65 price and a 10, but a completely different product that says in the event you're hurt or sick and you can't go to work. And that's the fundamental, the root cause, if you will. I mean, of, of, of what disability insurance is, then AI is really going to be able to, um, find its, find its place in our industry. And I say that because I actually have a mortgage broker friend who can give me, he gave me an app that I can type in any zip code in America. And I can do the average earnings of that neighborhood, any neighborhood in America. I put in 80113, which is where I live, and it shows by demographic from an age perspective, 65 and over, their average income is 100, and, I don't know, $86,000. That's retiree. And it just does it. So if you've got something like that, then you know what? You may be able to get to the point where tax returns are just not or a W-2 for certain amounts of business are just unnecessary. They already are with Simplified. It's just taking that, I think, to the next level. Don't you agree? Yeah, I agree. And obviously, that's where the industry needs to be able to provide a solution. And to your point earlier, Mike, it doesn't mean that it's an either or. or. It doesn't mean that we're going to do away with those important uh, benefits for physicians and attorneys and dentists and highly compensated executives. But that type of product will be out there. It's just that we need to make it easier for you know, the, the majority of people in this country to be able to get a good DI product uh, with, with in, a, in a relatively easy manner. I agree. And I find that uh, kind of compelling that, you know, there was a time when I was younger, obviously, in the business and an orthoscopic knee surgery really concerned an underwriter because orthoscopic surgery wasn't just an everyday run of the mill surgery, right? You, you still had to work on a knee and it was just a little incision and everything. Now you look at something like that as medicine and times have changed. You know, you say somebody had orthoscopic surgery six months ago on their knee to clean up some floaters, and those are terms people use. And an underwriter goes, okay, is that all we got? Right? So, so times are changing, and they will continue to change. We need to evolve. I would agree. I think we will. 
And then, Mike, the third session of day two was done by Mike Sir, uh, who you work with for many years at Principal. He's now the CEO of One Protection. And he, his title of his talk was Four Areas of Planning for the Small and Medium-Sized Business. And I will tell you that in the time that he had, he was so concise and so spot on on the different areas of concern that a small or medium-sized business owner might have. But more important, Mike, he didn't talk product. He just talked about potential challenges that a business owner or business owners might have and then how there are products out there to be able to solve those challenges. Correct. My biggest takeaway from Mike's was if you know any single person that has a business, I just gave you something to talk about. <laughs> Regardless of who it is, if you know anybody that has a business, you might gave them something to go talk about. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me since then and asked for a copy of Mike's presentation. So obviously he really got a lot of people's attention. He did a great job. Couldn't agree more. And then day three, Mike, we kicked it off with, God, this speaker was just out of sight. And he talked about multi-life opportunities, turning one app into many. Oh, that was you who gave that presentation. Well, thank you. You know, sometimes you got to wing it. I took things again that um, I learned probably in the 80s and just tried to make it relevant today because nothing has still changed. And the idea there is, is, is to get out and talk. And, you know, I also started just briefly. One into many means one. It means you know make a plan for yourself. I said thirty apps. I, I I had this meeting last night, and we are already at twenty apps through two months for this group I met with right after our our, our summit yesterday. So we changed our number from thirty to fifty, and they have no problem with it. And the young guy Jeff goes, maybe we should take this thing up to seventy five. That's where we want people to be, Chris, to get there. And this is exactly how they're doing it. They're trying to turn one into many through referrals. Through, hey, this is two female, in his case, he writes a fair number of docs, two female physicians. Let's get the third. Gosh, let's get this done. This, this is going to work. I can show them how to save money, take care of their, solve their problems. And the fact that I'm saving money for them because it's a, it's a three life list bill, unisex rate. He goes, it works, especially in the female world all the time. And we know that the, the market today, the job market today is 50 50 at least. And we also know that I think in med school, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's like 55-45 females in medical school over males. And that's right. a huge change over a 20-year, 25-year period. Agreed. Now, Mike, one of the things, and I, I want you to say this again, because I've been doing this a lot of years. And, you know, the old expression, what is old is new again. And you said something in your presentation that we've gotten away from. What was the question that you recommend producers ask a prospect or client regarding the salary continuation plan? Well, one, if you've got two or three business owners or a single business owner, it's as simple as, you know, is your risk protection package up to date or is your salary continuation plan current? And is it up to date? And that's all you have to ask. That's it. You don't have to go any deeper because the, the answer, Chris, most likely will be what? You and I know the answer. What is that? Well, then you've just opened up a conversation about income protection right there with one single sentence and find something. You don't have to say Section 105 of the Eternal Revenue Code. I just threw that out there because anybody that's listening today can still go back to their local plus group office and they can drill down a little farther on that if they'd like to. But just asking if your risk protection plan is current and up to date, is your risk protection package, is your salary continuation plan. And if you're not even comfortable with that, say, you know what, does this company have paycheck insurance? Boom. Still a conversation. 
still a conversation that you can start. And you've always got enough people out there that will make sure that you don't get into trouble, as they say. Mike, you mentioned on during your, your session, uh, you mentioned the name of the late, great Ken Wiley. And I think one of the things that I want to make a commitment today on this podcast, and I know we've talked about it off mic, is we're going to do some more uh, sessions and doing some more training regarding salary continuation planning, Section 105, because the industry's gotten away from it. And we need to get more producers having those conversations, because if they have the conversations, they protect their client. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to sell product. Absolutely, Chris. Mike, session two was, was really, really good. It was about disability insurance claims, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And George Davidson of Secure Consultants basically interviewed David Martin of the Martin Law Group, who is an ERISA attorney, and talked about the things that we all need to look out for when it comes to DI claims. Right. And I think the biggest takeaway there is the difference between Actually, you said this before we started this morning. Who's the judge and who's the jury, right? Correct. And if you own your own policy, the judge and the jury can be of your peers. If you are, it's an, if it ends up being like a group contractor in a ERISA case, the likelihood that the judge and the jury could be the insurance company becomes a little more evident or a little more prominent. Is that correct in what I just said? Absolutely. And that should have been one of the biggest takeaways. And, you know, if you get time, I would reach out. If you're interested in what David had to say, he gave all of his data, which means email address, .com. So there's a website and his phone number. So if you still got questions, I, I would reach out to George for him and ask. Absolutely. And then, Mike, we concluded day three, which concluded DI days. I had the opportunity, and, and you as well, to talk to Mark Kinback regarding crafting the guaranteed standard issue offer. And... One of the things I like about, one of the many things I like about Mark is he's so even keel. He's so thoughtful and he doesn't get caught up in the flavor of the day, if you will. He has taken a long term view and he really spelled that out during our conversation. Mark's a phenomenal guy. He, um, he's not a legend in his own mind. He's a legend in his own time. And he said he's not the godfather, but he's pretty gosh darn close, at least in modern time. So it's a new syndicate. He he is kind of the mob boss when it comes to GSI. I I think he, he he's my godfather. <laughs> and, and you know, my couple of things that I wanted to point out from our conversation with Mark is number one, that he underwrites the producer as well as the case, which I thought is a very interesting comment because a lot of people promise what they can do, but they don't deliver. And then number two, he really talked about that comfort zone of monthly benefits, i.e. that 2,500 to 7,500. Obviously, every case stands on its own, but he goes, that's kind of the sweet spot. He start, he said, when you start getting the 10 and the 15 and $20,000 a month cases, it really gets to be dicey for the carrier. And the issue is, as you know, it's turned out and I had the opportunity and the privilege to work with Mark for years. And that's where we kind of, Chris, started playing with this, what we call fallback. You got to come up with a term. You know, somebody taking a little bit of ownership in their own risk protection package, their own salary continuation plan, it makes a huge difference on on persistency and how long that stuff stays on the books. I remember years ago, we did a case of a law firm on the East Coast, and it was, I think, 10 or 11,000 a month. And it only made it 12 months, 12 months. So we paid a good first year commission. And one year later, the law firm did exactly what Mark said. Somebody else was reviewing it. We tried to save it and they just weren't buying it. And you know what they ended up doing, Chris? They ended up going completely with group. So it does happen. So if you can validate why you're doing it and the checkbook does matter, 
Um, I, Mark has always been onto something. It's it's the the huge cases. They as as good as they are elephant wise, they just traditionally don't stay on the books because of change. So, Mike, I think you'll agree with me that 2021 DI Days was an absolute hit. As I said earlier, and I know you've experienced the same thing, a huge amount of text, huge amount of emails, just very complimentary of the program and how well the speakers did and the great information they gave to those who were fortunate enough to register and attend. Well, again, my hat's off to the Plus Group for sponsoring and, and helping facilitate and put this together. And then to all the speakers who took the time to put together a presentation or to take time out of their day to talk. Hopefully everybody got something out of it because I walked away yesterday feeling invigorated. So my six hours of time spent during the DI Summit was well worth it. And I really just hope that it was for everybody else as well. If you took one thing away, it was worth it. That's what I always say. One thing away. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks for your time today. Go back, finish shoveling the snow. Thank you for everything. Be good. 